President Trump said some nasty things about a female U.S. senator. And then my newspaper said some really nasty things about President Trump. Welcome back to Cup of Politics. I'm Paul Singer, USA Today's Washington correspondent. This week, New York Senator Kirsten Gillibrand, a Democrat, called on President Trump to resign over long-standing allegations of sexual misconduct. There have been several resignations in Congress over sexual harassment, and of course, there's been this wave of resignations uh, and public humiliations of men who have been accused of mistreating women over many, many years. Trump, who takes no criticism lying down, uh, fired off a tweet. Uh, and it said, and I quote, Lightweight Senator Kirsten Gillibrand, a total flunky for Chuck Schumer, and someone who would come to my office begging for campaign contributions not so long ago and would do anything for them, is now in the ring fighting against Trump. Very disloyal to Bill and crooked, used. Uh, that would be a reference to Bill and Hillary Clinton, Donald Trump has now gotten to the point of referring to Hillary Clinton not only as crooked Hillary Clinton, but just crooked. This whole thing led USA Today's editorial board to print a scathing editorial saying, among other things, that Trump is, quote, not fit for office, unquote, and, quote, not fit to clean the toilets in the planned Barack Obama presidential library or shine the shoes of George W. Bush, unquote. I have nothing to do with this newspaper's editorials, but this one has stirred an awful lot of controversy. So we've invited Sandra Torrey, a, a member of our editorial board and one of the co-authors of the piece, to talk about why they wrote it and what they hope to achieve. Sandra Torrey, thanks very much for joining us here on USA Today's Cup of Politics. Thanks for inviting me, Paul. First off, Sandra, let's talk about how editorials work at USA Today. How did the editorial board come to decide to write this particular piece? Actually, there's a difference between how we decided to write this and how we decide on major issues like when we chose the to do the non-endorsement of Donald Trump last September. On major issues on which we've never taken a position, we have the full editorial board, which is about a dozen people meet, whoever's assigned to do the editorial researches and comes up with an argument and a proposal, and then we vote on it. And because our board is very varied ideologically, it's not like some editorial boards, which are mostly liberal, et cetera. We have liberals, conservatives, people in the middle. Um, we vote on it, and we need to come to consensus, which means only two people on the board can be out. If there's more than that, then we have to find a way to deal with it. So what was the starting point for this editorial? Actually, David Mastio, who's our deputy editor, when he saw that quote, he just thought, this is just the most appalling thing that the president has done in the midst of many appalling things. He's written both before the election and on his one-year anniversary of the election that he's proven himself unfit to be in office. And this just floored both of us, and he asked me about it, and I had recalled an incident which really troubled me about women, of all the things that troubled me about Donald Trump's treatment of women 
last October when he was before the election and campaigning when he was accused by several women of harassment, including Jessica Leeds, the woman who said he groped and tried to kiss her and put his hand up her skirt on a plane. He chose at a campaign event to say, well, uh, she wouldn't be my first choice, as if it was some honor to be groped by him, and she wasn't attractive enough to achieve that honor. And I felt that none of the other men who were accused of these things, though they denied them, had really struck that low. And and I said this would be an opportunity to talk about that in many of the ways in which Trump's awfulness is just unique. Now, it's interesting. You guys uh, say in the in the lead of your editorial with his latest tweet clearly implying the United States senator would trade sexual favors for campaign cash, President Trump has shown he is not fit for office. And a little further down, you say, a president who would all but call Senator Kirsten Gillibrand of New York a whore is not fit to clean the toilets in the planned Barack Obama library. It's interesting because I saw the original tweet, which said basically, um, you know, she asked for cash and she would do anything for it. And it didn't strike me as being a reference to sexual favors for money. But almost every woman I've spoken to said that was their instant reaction to it. First of all, it was David's instant reaction to it, and he's a guy, and uh, my husband's instant reaction to it. And after you brought this up today that many men you talked to hadn't had that reaction, I actually did obviously a very mini survey among male friends, and they said, in part from where it was coming from, and because of his history, it struck them that way in that context. But they saw it that way and thought, anybody who didn't, well, how could they not? So I think it's going to be, you know, a varied reaction, not necessarily depending if you're a man or a woman. Though I would agree women just were enraged when they saw it. We'll talk a little bit about this, about, you know, my personal view that, that newspapers shouldn't have editorial opinions. But before we get there, you know, the language of this editorial was pretty stark. What does the editorial board and you guys who wrote this thing look to achieve with an editorial like this? What what does it bring to the table and bring to the dialogue? Okay. Well, first of all, you're telling me you don't want me to have a job, so that's a bad start with me, Paul. <laughs> well, no, we've got plenty of good work for you to do here. <laughs> okay. I was a news reporter for 20 years at the Washington Post, and I really wanted to write opinions. I think it's a very important function of newspapers, and I'm glad they divide it. And I think, as you know, editorial boards, there's a real wall between news and editorial boards. And I sometimes talk to reporters about the facts of the thing they cover, because they may know it better than I do. But I think it's our chance to interpret all we know. And I think the people on the editorial board all come from a reporting background, which is interesting. So we gather a lot of facts. Most people in the general public don't read four or five newspapers a day and study these issues. It's our ability to interpret the news that's out there and what it means. And I mean, there's different editorial pages with different opinions. If you read the Wall Street Journal, you'll see something different than we say, or the New York Times. But I think it helps people interpret the news. And our hope is that, you know, our hope would be for a better presidency. We would love to see Mr. Trump succeed and, you know, the country to be able to be a better place without somebody who is dividing us and taking attention away from the really important issues. As a reporter on the news side, my concern is that the USA Today's reporters 
become sort of pooled in the public mindset with a newspaper that has been very negative about President Trump and, in fact, as you said at the beginning, suggested to voters that they vote for anybody except Donald Trump. Doesn't that sort of skew the way people will look at our news section? You know, I think it might. But again, I think people who are astute readers, and it probably does look that way to some people, and they identify the whole paper as one. I think astute readers understand, and I think it was probably easier to understand before the days of the internet when there was an editorial section. It was always in the same place. It was the back of the news section, that this was a different place. And I think that has become harder to do in the world of internet journalism. But I don't think we should drop this very important function because of that. I just think we have to try to make as clear as possible that, you know, it's not part of the news. And I think our unique feature of having the opposing view also gives a certain fairness to our editorial page that other pages don't have. So we really do strive to be fair and present both sides of the debate. And I will say, I think that sometimes this gets lost, uh, that in fact, if you have a copy of the newspaper, which I do have in front of me, um, our opinion rides on this page and directly below it uh, is the opposing view from Ronna McDaniel, who is the chairwoman of the Republican National Committee, uh, saying basically the Democrats' response to this has been laughable. So in fact, we are giving both sides of the argument on the same page, which And again, I think you're right that it makes a little more sense in print when you see it that way online. Sometimes that gets lost. Again, it matters how astute a reader is. I think you're right. Probably some think somehow that's our uh, opinion or the things that we see with, you know, but when they look below and see it's the chairman of the Republican National Committee, I think people understand that that's an opinion coming from a particular place. Well, Sandra, I really appreciate you taking the time to have this conversation with us and talk through how this all came about. And I appreciate the fact that you guys stirred a pretty uh, a vigorous discussion about both the tweet and the president's language and uh, the role of the media in talking about the president's language. So thanks very much for joining us. That's what we were hoping to do. And my pleasure, Paul. Feel free to read our editorials each day in the paper or online. I personally try not to. That's not to disparage the good work they do, but I just don't want to know what our newspaper's editorial opinion is about anything. I find that I protect my own personal independence by not really knowing or caring what the newspaper's editorial board thinks about any given issue. As always, you can get all your politics coverage at usatoday.com. Check out our On Politics blog, And we also tweet our political coverage from at USA Today DC. If you like, you can follow me on Twitter at Singer News. If you liked what you hear today, please subscribe to The Cup of Politics on Apple Podcasts. It is a free and easy way to make sure you don't miss an episode. You can also find us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and wherever you get your podcasts. Many thanks to Taylor Macon, our producer, for making it sound so good. And thanks, as always, to Chris Moscatello for our theme music. 